Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. I'm your host, Daniel Daly. This is episode 12. I know I've been MIA for a little bit uh, due to the Celtics losing in the NBA Finals. I've uh, been trying to recover from that, licking my wounds, if you would say. Uh, but luckily for me, the NBA has other news coming in, trades coming in, woge bombs, and also the NBA draft, which I want to touch base on later a little bit at the end. Um, but first and foremost, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on winning their fourth championship in the last eight years. Uh, big kudos to them um, winning against the Celtics in six, uh, 103 to 90. Um, just an all-around all great effort from their uh, uh, franchise. Um, Stephen Curry, of course, finally getting that MV, finals MVP, that elusive finals MVP in the first three championships that he didn't seem to get, even though I thought he should have won in 2015. Um, the way he played and really stepping up and where his team needed his offense um, to the degree he did as efficient as he did, even stepping up on the defensive end, not getting uh, uh, caught in mismatches. I thought that was great for him to have that uh, monkey off his back, uh, as they say, uh, to get that uh, uh, extra accolade, the accolade that he's been that's been eluding to him his whole career um, for him to step up that way uh, was great to see. Um He's one of the greatest players in the NBA history. Um, for him to lead the Warriors to another championship without KD, uh, uh, with all the question marks uh, surrounding this team over the past couple of years, for him to get that done was quite impressive. Um, a great showing from Andrew Wiggins, um, stepping up, uh, being a career, uh, uh, I don't want to say disappointment, but letdown in the sense of, of not stepping up, seeing if he can be the number one guy in Minnesota. He wasn't able to do that, but able to find his way here and be the second option on the finals team. Um, that's very, that's, that's basically turning around his whole career. And, um, the way he played on both ends, even when he did his shot, wasn't falling. He was able to attack the boards. Uh, uh his defense on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was tremendous in this series. Um, he played very well, and especially I'm not a, a Andrew Wiggins fan, but he turned it around here, and that's what we, that's what any critic criticism of Andrew Wiggins has been is that we just wanted him to turn it around and 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 show these skills coming out of college that we thought he had, and he showed it here in this over the course of the playoffs, not just this series. He's he's really been stepping up, um, but especially in this series he stepped up and and and, and delivered, especially defensively. And as the secondary scorer, when uh, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole at times were struggling and when they were looking for offense, Andrew Wiggins was able to be that secondary scorer to Steph Curry and and help them secure the NBA Finals. Um, I thought that was great for them. Um, the Warriors all around, even though Clay Thompson, he had some moments in the series. Uh, Jordan Poole as well. Uh, Draymond Green <laughs> had ter terrible moments. He fouled out multiple times in the series. But the way he played defense and impacted, especially game two, which I thought he should have been thrown out of. But games four, five, and six, he stepped up each time over the course of the series, especially defensively, uh, of course, being the playmaker for this team. Um, it was just a collective er effort for this team. Otto Porter Jr. had some moments there for some knockdown shots and great defensive time. Uh, Kavon Looney, uh, 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 who's played every game this season, I believe it's 104, uh, regular season and playoffs combined. Um, Gary Payton, the second, they really wanted him. They were worried about him being out during the series because of that, uh, injury, I believe in the Memphis series, uh, where he had that chip there elbow. I can't remember if it was Memphis or their first round series, but they really needed him and he came in and provided some scoring. And that's what shocked me most importantly, but his defense was there. Um, Bell Lisa came in and wasn't a, a, a negative on the court. He was able to hold his own defensively. And, and provide some stops for them. And, and it was just a collective effort for the Golden State Warriors. Um, they definitely executed better than the Boston Celtics, and that, I believe that was the difference, that experience that we, talk, uh, we talked about heading into the series, 123 games to zero for the Boston Celtics there. I think that paid dividends of just uh, understanding the moment, understanding the feel of the game, and knowing when the game was slipping and when you had to t turn up. And that, I, think, I believe that was the difference. Um, just the execution between these two teams. Obviously, uh, uh, the Celtics committed 18 more turnovers than the Golden State Warriors in this series, and that's really the difference. When you look at all the stats across the series, um, points are close. Rebounds are close. Assists are close. Uh, Three-point shooting is close. The only difference mainly in the game, the games were turnovers. When the Celtics had more than 
15 turnovers, it was quite difficult for them to win. In the last game there, they had, what, 22, I believe? And that's that. you're not going to beat the Golden State Warriors like that, especially when you're uh, uh, trying to get back into games, trying to hold leads when you're turning over the ball, especially even the rebounding category where I think the that was another edge I thought the Celtics would have heading into the series. They barely had a rebound this advantage. I think they only had nine more rebounds than the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so when you're not rebounding the ball at a high rate, and when you're turning over the ball, you're giving uh, you're giving um, Golden State multiple opportunities uh, uh, to to score. You're you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're giving them extra possessions, and the Warriors were wise enough to take uh, uh, take advantage of that. And the Celtics weren't able to recover from that, and that was basically the difference in the series. Um, game four where the the Warriors had that uh Steph Curry had that great performance where he had 43 points and Andrew Wiggins had 16 rebounds that really swung the series for the Warriors in my opinion where they had the confidence to to go forward uh Steph Curry uh leading the charge there um that was the swing and and turnovers and rebounding was a big factor in game four um and that just carried over um but kudos to Golden State um they did what needed to be done um, and executed better than the Boston Celtics, plain and simple. Uh, they, they played tremendously um, top to bottom. Um, the Celtics, on the other hand, turnovers killed them. Um, Jason Tatum had 100 turnovers for the whole playoffs. Uh, that's the most in NBA history. Uh, when your usage rate is going up and you're turning over the ball like that, that's going to happen. Um, he didn't shoot particularly well in this series, but these are just growing pains for the Boston Celtics, in my opinion. Jalen Brown stepped up in Game 6. He tried to lead the charge. I believe he had 34 in Game 6. Um, even with the turnovers, at the, but just the ability to continue to score, uh, uh, there's a lot of good things that you can see from this team. Al Horford is still able to play very well in the series, even though he had some missing moments, but he was trying to step up. Uh, Marcus Smart did what he needed to do. He shot well from the field. Um and just the question marks with the Celtics, the turnovers, of course, but the bench production was very low in this game, in, in this series. Uh, uh, Grant Williams uh, has been missing since the Milwaukee series, since that game seven against Milwaukee. Um, and really struggled against Miami. He struggled against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Peyton Pritchard wasn't able to get on the floor and be consistent if he wasn't knocking down shots. It was very tough for E-May to keep him in there. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, Derek White was hot and cold. You're going to get that with him. That's expected at this point. Um, and, and kudos to Robert Williams playing on one leg. Basically, he gave an all-out effort, um, especially defensively. He had some great blocks and some great rebounding there and just and, and just really gave it all he had. But the Celtics have to figure out uh, uh, their playmaking situation. And I'll, I'll talk about that next. So let's get to talking about these teams' futures. I'm going to start with the... the 2022 NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors first. Um, the only question marks here is what are they going to do on the back end of their roster going forward because they don't have many moves to make in terms of salary-wise. They can extend Jordan Poole, which I'm hearing $100 million over four years uh, uh, as an extension for him, as well as Andrew Wiggins wants to be extended. So there's some, what's the sweet number there? Is it 25? I, I don't know if he's going to take a pay cut at this point in time. Is it, is it, does he want to stay in the 30s for this team or does he feel comfortable in Golden State willing to take a pay cut for them? I don't know about that. But the Warriors have a hold of all the cards here because their management and ownership is willing to spend at, a, at an alarming rate. They're not afraid to spend. They'll spend whatever. They'll go over the luxury tax. They're in Silicon Valley. They print money. Um, in the back end of their roster, what are they going to do with Kevon Looney? Uh, Andre Iguodala, who is he in and out? A lot of these guys are going to be getting paid somewhere else. I, I believe Gary Payton, the I believe Gary Payton the second is going to get an opportunity somewhere else. He's going to get some money after his performance in the playoffs and, and showed a little bit uh, an ability to score there, as well as uh, uh, yeah. So I believe he's going to be gone. But uh, in terms of Jonathan Kaminga, Modus Moody. Uh, these are all guys. If things are happening, things are happening next season where they're struggling a little bit. They can trade Andrew Wiggins. That's a tradable contract. Uh, Jordan Poole at twenty five million is a nice sweet spot around the league. It's not ten years ago where that would would be the max considered. Um, so those are movable contracts. If anything, if Andrew Wiggins wanted to get a sign and trade or anything like that, and 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 have an opportunity to grow his profile as a player, 
that could potentially be a move that can work and teams will trade for Andrew Wiggins after seeing his performance, after seeing his level of play. Um, teams will trade for Jordan Poole if necessary. You can add Kaminga and Moody to that to sweeten the deal for another team to give you a player. So there's always moves there with the Golden State Warriors, what they can do in terms of their future. They got Curry locked up. They got Klay Thompson locked up for the next two years. Uh, Draymond Green has a player option after next year. So the Warriors control the cards here in the NBA right now for them, their franchise, in terms of what they can bring and what they can add. Um, Steph Curry's locked up basically for the remainder of his career, I, I, I assume. I don't see any of these guys leaving. Um, Draymond Green can extend uh, his contract and take a lower deal if needed. Um, I believe he's going to be, what, 34 at the end of his deal in 2024. So I'm pretty sure if he wants to win and, and stay in the Bay Area, of course, he's going to take a lesser deal. So they're in a great position to continue to build off this run. Um, and especially through the draft with Kaminga and Moody, I like those two players, especially uh, Kaminga. Um, I think he's going to be a, a game changer in that uh, Andre Iguodala role for them, where he can be a defender and, and be a scorer at times. Um, I, and especially in that infrastructure, I believe he's going to develop quite fine. They've been great at developing players. Um, the only question mark is Jameis Wiseman. Um, I know they sat him down with his, uh, he had swelling at his knee when he was trying to come back. Uh, and they're still very big on him, but they can also trade him. He looks like a valuable asset that can help a team out. Um, but if he's going to stay there, they have their center. Um, Kevon Looney will play tremendous during uh, uh, this finals run. Is he going to be willing to stay there in Golden State? I don't think so because I believe he's going to be offered money on the free agent market. So they're going to be able to use the minimums on uh, uh, free agents that they see fit. Maybe there's aging players out there that want to come in like in the past and just be at the end of the bench and just try to help out and try to get a championship for the Golden State Warriors. But they're in a great position with a, a young core. And with their older core. So they have the best of both worlds. And they're going to continue to develop and make moves. And I don't see any slowing down for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Now let's look at the Boston Celtics. Obviously the Boston Celtics were two games away from NBA Finals when uh, they came up short. And the glaring uh, negatives that stood out was the playmaking for the Boston Celtics. Late game situations. Ball handling. Over the course of the game ball handling. Um. And I think something that they need to address here is the playmaking, uh, uh, the shooting. Uh, and over the course of the first three rounds, the Celtics had an advantage of shooting over the other teams. Uh, against the Warriors, you're not going to have a shooting advantage. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so I believe that led into it a little bit there, too, with the Celtics' struggle to find offense. The, the spacing wasn't there. The playmaking wasn't there. Um, so it's like, how can they improve those areas and they have three trade player exceptions uh which are acquired in trades and whatever the remaining salary they throw back you can use that to acquire a player without having to impact your cap i believe and i believe the celtics should use those they have one for 17 million they have one for seven million they have one for six million basically uh guys they could target kevin herter down in atlanta uh javante murray in san antonio also with the six and seven uh, player exceptions, uh, Cam Reddish looks like a, a option. Maybe the Knicks just need something to, uh, to create extra room for cash and use the trade exception. I believe that can be a move they can use. Um, I believe Rui Hachimura in Washington. Uh, how high are they on him? Uh, do they still believe in him? Um, I think he's a good wing that the Celtics could add and don't have to depend on, but he's still developing and growing as a player. Maybe he can take a leap in his game. Um, I think those are avenues the Celtics can look at. Um, there's been rumors of uh, Bradley Beal uh, potentially could be a sign-and-trade target. Um, the Celtics do have contracts and maybe assets that Washington would want and picks. So there's some options there for the Boston Celtics, but uh, I think in the offseason, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to take a basketball everywhere and just dribble. <laughs> uh, they were very turnover-prone in the playoffs. It's something that they need to improve on. Um, maybe that was due to the spacing on the court at times. They dribbled into traffic. Maybe it's just a little bit more X's and O's looking at the, the geometry of the floor and, and, and ways they can attack. Um, but in terms of improving, I think they just need to improve their ball. You know, these guys are great scorers. They both get 25-plus a game at, at certain points. Um, they, they're both two-way players. Um, 
I think Jason Tatum is a little bit more of a better uh, playmaker than Jalen. He has a little bit more feel for the game than Jalen. But these guys are two-way guys that are all-stars, both under 25 right now. And that's the only area I think they need to improve. I think everything else is really just the feel of the game and getting the understanding. As for the rest of the team, uh, as we saw with the bench there, you need to get some of these guys that are just fillers on the bench, and we need to add some actual depth there. Uh, Grant Williams faded away a little bit at the end there. Peyton Pritchard faded away at the end there. Aaron Naismith Mm -hmm. couldn't even get on the floor um, uh, during the playoffs, so that was difficult to see, especially after um, being a first-round pick and and him being a, a, a shooter. Um, that was difficult to see him not get on the floor and able to provide some help for the Celtics there when they basically needed him. Um, Daniel Tice is still there. Um, he has a pretty high contract. He could be signed and traded, I think, in in the right deal. Maybe a team's willing to take him, uh, or maybe he can just be that backup big mm-hmm. and, and improve his and improve his uh, his game and be able to help Robert Williams and Al Horford in the front court situation there. Um, because Robert Williams and, and Al Horford are great together on the court. These guys. I believe the whole Celtics starting five got defensive player, not defensive player of the year, defensive team uh, votes. So these guys can do that. These guys are great defensively. If Tice can just up his uh, uh, impact, mm-hmm. especially defensively and staying out of foul trouble, that would be great. Um, but he could also be moved. He has a, a nice friendly contract. Um, our team's willing to pay 8 to $9 million over the next couple seasons to get him. Maybe. Maybe there's a team out there. Chicago gave him that deal. So... We'll see how that goes. Um, but in terms of those trade player exceptions, I think those are going to have to be in play for the Celtics here. Um, I don't know if they can use those to get picks in the draft and, and maybe get another young player. Or I don't think that's the move here. I think the Celtics' ownership, I believe they gave Brad Stevens the green light to go out and spend money. I think that's the, the avenue we have to take. We have to make moves to win. We were two games away from the finals, and yes, everyone's saying Chris Middleton was down. Are the Bucks the best team? Maybe. Giannis is the best player in the world to me. Um, and if he has Chris Milton, that makes a huge difference. Um, but the Celtics have to focus on we have a good team and we're capable of making the finals. Let's continue to build on this. Um, guys are saying trade Brown, trade Smart. I don't think that's the right thing to do. You don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you just trade a defensive player of the year. I don't think you, tra- you trade a young all-star who's 25 and who can get you 25 points a game and play both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you do that. I think we just need a little bit more playmaking, a little bit more shooting, and, and 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 to be healthy, uh, Robert Williams. I think if he's 100%, maybe the Celtics push it to seven. I think his impact uh, going forward for this team is going to be huge. Um, a, a guy that doesn't need the ball, a guy who's a, a solid passer at the top, uh, a guy who can rebound and block shots and protect the rim, which the Celtics have desperately needed um, since the Big Three era. So that's been over a decade. So. I think the Celtics are close here. They just need to add some. If they get Javante Murray, that would be great. Um, He's a young guard. I don't see San Antonio, really. Uh, It was reported that they wanted Drew Holiday, so I believe that's two first and a a solid player. So can the Celtics provide that with the trade player exception? And would that be something that the San Antonio Spurs are willing to do? Maybe, potentially. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep taking the Celtics scraps like they took for Mario Langford <laughs> and Josh Richardson. I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. Um, but in terms of what Javante Burry brings, uh, he's improved every year. He still needs to work on his shooting a little bit. But in terms of total guard play, he is that guy. And he can play both sides of the ball and play make and rebound and score at a high rate. So I think that's something the Celtics would are definitely looking at and seeing if they can obtain him. I think that would be smart to use the trade player exception to get him. Um, Kevin Hurd is a nice young player, a nice knockdown shooter. Um, uh, Rui Hachimura I'm probably high on a little bit because the, the, the size. Um, so it's going to be interesting. The Celtics have some options here that they can move, but I think the Celtics are in a great position moving forward with their young core. Uh, they already guaranteed Al Horford's contract for next season, so um, that's going to be interesting. Is he going to be in the terms of his production? I believe he's going to. I believe the Celtics should at times rest him over the course of the season, just so he has more legs for the playoffs. Um, and we saw this year uh, three days rest versus two days rest uh, for Al Horford is huge, <laughs> especially approaching age thirty-seven. Um, I think it's important that we get him some rest and maybe get some front court help to get in there. And, and provide some help from the Celtics. Man, he's not out there, or maybe days that he doesn't have it. Um, 
I think certain guys like uh, Rui Hachimura, uh, Javante Murray, I've been mentioning those guys because I'm really high on those guys. Those guys allow us to play small ball if needed with Rob Williams on the floor. There's still that versatility there. And you don't lose anything defensively, I think. So those would be the two moves I make. Um, but the question is, what happens with Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard? I think those guys just improve over the offseason and just keep trying to build because those guys did have two. Uh, those guys did have a nice season um, improving their games. Um, and Peyton Pritchard, if he can knock down some shots, he was – uh, I believe he led the 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 Pac-10 in assist in college, so he has that playmaking ability. Is just finding his role here. Grant Williams just continue to um, improve your shooting, uh, and he's a solid defender. Uh, just got to stay out of foul trouble and get out of his own head sometimes. But in terms of what he brings to the table, maybe he doesn't have the size. Uh, uh, it's like six six uh, playing power forward, and I know in small ball, but there's still guys that are more athletic, a little bit more spring and bounce. Um, so I feel like that could be off-kiltered with him a little bit. Um, but the Celtics have a nice core going forward, and I think they're going to be making moves this offseason um, to improve this team and get better. And it should be interesting the next couple of days. Now, before moving on to NBA news, let's talk about Steph Curry. This guy changed the game of basketball with a shooting. Um, the best shooter of all time, uh, four rings, two two MVPs, one unanimous, one Finals MVP, multiple time All Star, and where does he rank in the game? Now, my top ten, maybe I should do an episode on this, and I feel like I should be giving you more breakdown into my top ten and how I think about the game. But in terms of my top ten, it goes Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, Wilt Chamberlain, and Hakeem Olajuwon. That's my top 10. And I'll get into that in another time. Maybe that's an episode I can do over the summer. But in terms of where he ranks in history, it's got to be top 10, top top 10 through 15 for Steph Curry. Um, is he better than Kobe Bryant? I think he's a notch below. Maybe Kobe has that defensive edge over him. And he has five championships and two finals MVPs. So I don't think he's above Kobe. Do I think he's as impactful as Kobe? Maybe. Maybe even a little bit more to how basketball is played? Maybe. Is he above Oscar Robinson? I believe so. Is he above Dr. J? I believe so. Is he above Moses Malone? Three-time MVP Moses Malone? I believe so. Is he above David Robinson? I would say yes. Steph Curry has transitioned this game more than we can even think of. Uh, we thought the European game was going to be this, but the European game didn't have this uh, uh, extensive to point of shooting like this. Um, it was more playmaking, team play, not so more isocentric. Uh, but what Steph Curry has done has been able to extend the game maybe even past the three-point line. Where offensive, offenses and defenses are going to have to pick up as soon as you cross half court. Um, he's that impactful, especially with gravity. Drawing two, he's drawing two as soon as he crosses half court. Uh, he's on the attention of the ball when when he crosses half court. So, just thinking that his longevity and shooting doesn't fade, I don't think Steph Curry's shooting is going to go anywhere. He's not going to, even when he's at times when he's had slumps, his shooting, he's still an elite shooter. You still have to pay attention to him on the floor. Um, this guy has been great, especially coming out of Davidson, small school, uh, dealing with those ankle injuries early on in his career, um, and basically being the face of a franchise that was honestly in a, a, a disarray. Um, talks about moving, um, especially selling. We always heard those little rumblings. They were just moving the gold to San Francisco, apparently. But in terms of what this franchise was over the past couple of years and, and their history has always been up and down, that, uh, especially with the 70s with Rick Barry, uh, the 90s with uh, uh, Run TMC, um, Tim Hardaway, Mitch Richmond, one of my favorite players, uh, Chris Mullen, um, the transition to the Latrell Sprewell era, unfortunately with that. Um, and just being a disarray, they had the We Believe Warriors, but to turn it around like this and on on a guy who's 6'3", uh, uh, not the strongest, not the biggest, 
to impact the game with his shooting and spacing and, 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 and dribbling and handle. Um, it's remarkable to see and to see him play that well for that for this long and and this efficiently. Um, it's impressive. I, I, I think he's one of the top fifteen guys in, in the history of the NBA, and we're watching greatness every time he shoots the ball. And we've seen that, of course, over the last half decade, especially him turning it up. But um, he's great. Um, he's top fifteen all time to me. He doesn't crack my top ten. Maybe I'll get into that a little bit more in a future episode. But um, he's tremendous. He is tremendous. Um, and, and top point guards, I already have a number two. I, I've said it to people. I know people love Isaiah Thomas, and this is no slight to Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, of course, was playing with more depth, maybe more talent at the level of that in the league, in that point guard, especially always being seen as a little brother to Magic Johnson. Maybe that was a factor into it. But Steph Curry has more MVPs. He has more championships. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say besides that. He's a leader of a team just like Isaiah. Isaiah's had help. Um, Curry has had help, of course. And I, I think Curry's better. He's not better than Magic Johnson. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. Magic Johnson has transcended a unicorn. Um, the best playmaker we've probably ever ever seen outside Jason Kidd, John Stockton, those guys like that. Um, but, yeah, Curry's number two all-time at point guard to me. Um, and that just has him out my top ten. Um, he is that impactful. He's been that great for the Warriors. Um, yeah, it's it's very impressive. Um, I can't say enough about Steph Curry um, to lead that franchise, and especially when times were rough, especially with all those ankle injuries and everyone questioning him, and it looked bad. And and, and shame on the Knicks <laughs> uh, for not getting him, trading up to get him. Shame on Minnesota for picking uh, Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn in front of him. Um, those are these are why the draft picks matter. Um, picking the right guy matters, um, and we see that especially with these franchises. Because look at the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, look at the New York Knicks. The Warriors have had all the success, um, benefiting off of Steph Curry, and of course they drafted Clay Thompson and and and, and, and Draymond Green, and it, it just continues. But um, the way he plays um, is just impressive to see his longevity, uh, his sustainability, his excellence, and kudos to Steph Curry. Um, but yeah, I feel like I should do an episode on on my top 10 and get into that and get into the history of that and why there are so many bigs <laughs> on my list. I, um, yeah, I'll get into that at some point in time. But Steph Curry, kudos to him. Great season. Uh, one of the best ever to do it. One of the best point guards ever. Um, the best shooter ever. And now finals MVP. You can add that to the resume. So let's get into some NBA news. Uh, Kenny Atkinson was hired initially as the Charlotte Hornets head coach um, and was looking to plan to join them uh, during draft week. Um, He pulled out of that decision. Uh, There's been reports of um, decisions that uh, uh, Charlotte wouldn't pay his assistance, uh, the the amounts that they wanted. And that seems like you're penny-pinching if you're a small market as Charlotte, who has a young young guard like LaMelo Ball, uh, P.J. Washington, uh, Miles Bridges, all these guys, or Mikhail, one of them. No, Mikhail plays in Phoenix. Miles plays in Charlotte. Uh, you have this young core of a team that's giddy, uh, uh, that's made progress. Um, and I think Kenny Atkinson is a good coach. He's had success in Brooklyn, turning around them, uh, building that tough unit early on with uh, Jared Allen and, and, and um, Karis LeVert and D'Angelo Russell and all those guys earlier on. Um he got terminated as uh, uh, Katie and Kyrie got there. They wanted to bring into their um, their guy, Steve Nash, um, especially Kevin Durant. Um, so that was the changes made, and I understand that. And maybe it wasn't the best move or whatever the case may be, but um, they didn't want him there. Uh, so he backs out of this decision with the Hornets, which I think is a mistake on the Hornets' standpoint. I thought he's the better overall coach. I know that they wanted to – they're talking to uh, Mike D'Antoni at the current moment. Um, to take over, and that's going to be interesting. But in terms of what Kenny Atkinson did, I think this also saves him in a sense of he gets to run it back with the Warriors again as an assistant. And how many years does Steve Kerr have left? Um, he's had some um, back injuries that have been gruesome to him. Um, he's been using marijuana as a, as a relief as a coach, and 
how much of his stress level is going to be there and in, in, in terms of how this is going forward. Um, I believe he's going to try to ride it with Steph as long as he can go. But Kenny Atkinson is in also in a good spot. Um, maybe Kerr has one or two years left and he takes over. That's not a bad job to have. Even if Steph Curry is going to be 36 years old, Clay Thompson and Dre is going to be old. You, you have a, a franchise that's willing to spend behind you. Uh, uh, you have young guys like Kaminga and Moody and Jameis Wiseman, potentially, if he can stay healthy. So that was a good spot for him. I think that was a, a, a good move for him uh, to stay back. Uh, I think that helps. Um, yeah, I think that helps him out tremendously. Uh, uh, staying in Golden State, uh, a good infrastructure, good management, a good team, and potentially he can take over at some point. I think that would be ideal for him uh, in, in Golden State. Now, moving on to the Hornets here, uh, they're looking at Mike D'Antoni, and I know all the, the stories about Mike D'Antoni of him being a great coach, great offensive coach, and of course, that's going to help LaMelo. The Hornets are a young, exciting team. They're going to want to get up and down the floor. Well, unless he's getting that assistant that he had in Houston that they brought in as a defensive coach, this is going to be the same story. They're probably going to win a bunch of games. They're probably going to get a high offensive rating. They're probably going to, be, of course, be one of the best uh, teams to watch with uh, LaMelo Ball, uh, uh, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. That fits his play style of playing up and down and, and, and playmaking and passing. But his track record just doesn't sit well with me to take over this job. And maybe I'm being uh, a, a little uh, 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 tough on Dan Tony, but we I've heard the stories of him in in in, in Phoenix. Uh, We've seen him get to the Western Conference Finals, the second round, and then just bow out because they don't make. He doesn't make adjustments. Um, we we saw in Houston with the uh, uh, twenty seven missed straight three pointers and not changing it up as a system going inside, and 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 that was in two thousand what seventeen eighteen when they did that, and they had the chance to go to the finals and they just missed twenty seven straight for threes and lost by like six or something like that. So there's indictments against them New York of course LA of course and maybe those weren't the best situations but it's like at some point in time he hasn't shown me as a coach to make adjustments and be the right coach for the right situation he improves your offense he boosts your offensive numbers and values and maybe get some guys some contracts kudos to him but in terms of long term stability I just don't see it there um, maybe he has a younger core down there in, in, in Charlotte potentially if he gets hired uh, maybe that helps him out a little bit there but in terms of the hire, I thought Kenny Atkinson would have been the guy. And to lose him based on just not wanting to pay his assistance, I think that was an error in judgment on the Hornets' standpoint of going forward um, there. Now let's talk about this Kyrie Irving contract situation. Um, Kyrie Irving has been the NBA's whipping boy for, what, the past couple of years, especially leaving Boston, uh, especially entering Brooklyn, his statements his vaccine uh, uh, stance there. Um, obviously, he's been the whipping boy. And now it comes out that him and Brooklyn are at an impasse or whatever they said. They're, they're, they're at a disagreement, especially in terms of leverage or whatever the case would be. Uh, I think this is just a ploy to basically get leverage on Kyrie Irving's side in terms of contract negotiations. Um I believe the Nets can offer him a two-year extension or offer him the, the max at five years and $246 million or something like that. I believe Woj said that this was just uh, the Nets understand that this is a... If they lose Kyrie and in the, and in the, under the situation that they lose Kyrie, that this could be bad in terms of them alienating also in turn Kevin Durant. Um, I think all signs lead to Kyrie Irving going back to the the Brooklyn Nets. I don't see him leaving at this point in time. If he does, there's rumors of him going to the Lakers, and the Lakers don't have much assets or anything in terms of trade-wise, and they don't have much salary rise. I think they can only give him a, a six million dollar exemption, and then maybe over the after the year is over, they can um, work out a longer contract. But Kyrie Irving is not the most durable guy here, so for him to play on six million dollars for the Lakers and then get hurt. That hurts his chances at big money in a contract. If he wants to go to a different team via free agency, opting out, I believe he has until next week, I believe the 29th, he has until until uh, he decides if he can opt out of his player option there. 
um, that's gonna open up the floodgates. Can he? He can also re-sign with uh, uh, the Brooklyn Nets there if he opts out. But the Knicks are gonna try to pounce on him. Um, there's other teams, I believe. Uh, Detroit just got a big exception there with the uh, uh, Jeremy Grant trade that I'll talk about later. Um, San Antonio has cap space. I believe Indiana, Orlando, Portland had cap space. They just acquired Jeremy Grant. I believe they're trying to trade for. I'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, there's not many teams out there with cap space that can acquire Kyrie Irving and maybe the, not the potential situation he is. I think the situation that he wants is in Brooklyn, and maybe he's just using these news stories and his agents and stuff like that. Are just using it to create uh, leverage in their contract negotiations. Now, do I think that they're going to offer him the max? I don't know. I don't know the terms of what they can offer. I know I think they can do two years over uh, for eighty-four million dollars. That's what forty-two million dollars a season. That's not bad um, in terms of 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 a contract. But I believe Kyrie Irving's looking for the back end of a higher deal. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Kyrie Irving, when healthy, is one of the best players in the game. I don't care what anyone says, whatever they want to say. He's one of the best creators in basketball in terms of making a, 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 a in terms of scoring. Um, he can pass as well. Um, and when you have a guy like that on your offense, the ability to get 20, 30, 40, 50 points a night, even his age, even with his history, that matters. That's a factor into your um, um, into your game plan. You have to game plan for Kyrie Irving. Um the only situation that you have to think about is what he brings off the court. Is he going to alienate his teammates like he did early when he got to Brooklyn? Uh, is he going to be able to show up, especially with the mandates being different now? Hopefully he's there. And that was a big factor going into this past season. Um, with that gone now, he's going to be there for a full off season. He's going to be there in training camp. He's going to be there for the start of the season. And him and Duran are cool. They're tight. Uh, so alienating Kyrie Irving at this point in time might hurt your chances with Kevin Durant, even though he signed on. Um, but it's going to be difficult for Brooklyn. Um, they're going to basically have to make that move that people were questioning about uh, James Harden making with Philadelphia, Daryl Morey and, and, and James Harden in Philadelphia there. Um, if they sign him to the max, is that going to hurt them? And, 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 and a player that looks like he's declining um, with all the history that Kyrie Irving has, do you want to put $250 million in the hand of a guy that could get hurt with knee injuries? Uh, a guy that could have a, a, a step out in terms of uh, uh, personal reasons and issues and stuff like that. Um, I don't think that's going to be an issue going forward with Kyrie Irving. I, I think he's going to be a little bit more um, committed to the cause there, uh, especially with that security behind him. Um I think it's different. I think he always gets a bad rap in every situation that he goes into. Uh, was it perfect in Boston? No. I, I don't think it was perfect in Boston, but I don't think it was all on him. Um, was it perfect in Cleveland? Maybe he said he's come out and said that he was a little immature in Cleveland and didn't understand everything that was going on. That's fine. P players are allowed to make mistakes. He's moved on and hopefully grown from that. Um, he came to Boston. He's hated public enemy number one in Boston. He's not doing himself no favor, stepping on Lucky. Uh, burning sage before the games and stuff like that. Do I feel like some things are overblown? Yes. Do I think it's uh, self-inflicted to a certain extent? To a certain to a certain point? Yes, it is. But Kyrie Irving is a top player in the league, and talent speaks for itself. Um, it's just if he can stay on the court and and be willing to accept the terms that the Nets bring to him. Because if it's a max deal, it's automatic. I don't think he's going to hesitate to sign it. Um, now, if they come with a shorter deal, is that going to impact him? He's going to be like, yep, I'm out, and and just go seek somewhere else and see some refuge or a sign-and-trade that doesn't leave the Nets empty-handed. But imagine how Kevin Durant feels in this situation. Uh, uh, they traded for James Harden. He leaves within a year. <laughs> Kyrie Irving's in and out. The mandate didn't help. So all these things are impacting you playing basketball and you succeeding as a player and building up your legacy and everything's going haywire. The Warriors just won. Everyone's looking at you because of that. Um, what's your next move here? If, if Kyrie Irving leaves, are you going to stay in Brooklyn and be committed to that franchise that you want to go change? Or are you going to ask for a trade? And now that Kyrie Irving's deal basically impacts what Kevin Durant does next. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Now let's get into some other NBA news. Um, Jeremy Grant was traded to the Portland Trailblazers. 
uh, for a 2025 first-round draft pick as well as a 2022 and 2025 uh, second-round draft pick that will go to Detroit. Um, Detroit will also receive a $21 million trade exception as a part of the deal. Um, let's talk about this from Portland's angle. Um, that's great. Um, Portland's actually trying to make moves to help Damian Lillard. Uh, they got rid of uh, uh, C.J. McCollum, I believe, for Josh Hart and uh, a couple other players there. Um, but in terms of what that brings to Portland, it brings a player that's proven. Um, I like Jeremy Grant's game a lot. I, I, thought, I thought he should have stayed in OKC. He went to Denver. I thought he should have stayed in Denver. Um, but those teams weren't willing to commit to him long-term for whatever reason. Is he a number one guy? I, I think in Detroit he, he was solid. I don't think he's a number one guy, but he's capable of getting you 20 points. Um, he's able to get some rebounds. He's able to defend at a good level. He, he had, he, he's able to provide some rim protection a little bit there. So I believe he's a solid player. And to put that with uh, uh, Damian Lillard, who desperately needs somebody, um, Yusuf uh, Yerkic is there. Um, uh, they're looking to resign him, possibly. Um, it could possibly. I think there, there's a lot of things that could be in play. It's also reported uh, that they're looking to trade their seventh their seventh pick for uh, OG Ananobi from Toronto, uh, which I think is big time. Um, if they add Grant and OG, I think that's awesome. Um, it gives them shooting. But let's get back to Jeremy Grant. Um, in terms of what he brings to the table, he's able to create his own shot off the dribble. Um, he's able to knock down some uh, uh, some outside shots. He shot 35% from three over the past two seasons. Uh, it's just if he can stay healthy and be able to stay on the floor, that would be huge for Portland. Um, and especially the, especially on the defensive end where he can and, and, and take some of the, the tough guys, and especially if you switch him out to the perimeter to guard those guards in the West, um, um, he can hold his own there. So I think this is a really good trade for Portland. Um, getting a guy of Jeremy Grant's uh, uh, stature in the league, he's a very good player. Um, gets 20 points a game, can rebound at a good rate, can play a defense at a good rate. And I feel like that's good for Dame to have somebody next to him that can go get their own shot. Uh, a little different dynamic on the court than CJ. Um, but let's see what they continue to do. Uh, if OG Ananobi comes there, I think that's awesome too because he's a young developing player that Portland desperately needed. Uh, there was a couple years there where they had some forwards there that couldn't spread the floor to help um, Dame and CJ consistently, and now they're finally bringing in some guys that can actually help, in my opinion. Um, but we'll see what they can do here. Um, there's been rumors of uh, 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 DeAndre in there. But with Detroit getting that trade exception and the twenty-one million dollar trade exception, is that a is that a play for um, Detroit? Um, Detroit Pistons have Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay, uh, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart. They have some young core pieces there. Um, if a sign and trade was open for DeAndre, and they have some young pieces there, they have draft draft assets. They also have the trade exception for a Phoenix team that does need some money there if they need to trade anybody and receive anybody there to uh, help them out, especially if they're losing DeAndre. And so that's a big question mark there. Um, but yeah, I really like this trade for Portland going forward. Um, Jeremy Grant, uh, I think he's going to look to extend there, of course. Um, and what's going to be that number, that's going to be important to play how their their other pieces fall. But in terms of getting the, uh, Dame Lillard, who uh, it looked dire in Portland, and maybe it still is dire, but to actually look like there's some type of light or sh there's something that you can see in course of bringing in some talent. Um, they have Josh Hart on the roster. I always liked him playing in New Orleans and, and his ability to play uh, big and small ball lineups and stuff like that and be able to knock down some shots. Uh, so that's important for them. Um, yeah, I really like this trade for Portland going forward, and I think it's going to benefit Portland going forward and hopefully get them back into the playoff race. Um, They've been kind of out of it, and, and things look dire when they traded uh, C.J. McCollum. It looked like Dame was on his way out as well, um, but it looks like they're going to be able to get a, a, a what two- to three-year stretch here of Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard and potentially O.G. Ananobi and getting some looks here to see what the future holds for Dame, if, it, if he's going to be there long-term or he's going to be there a couple years and get traded. Uh, whatever the situation, I do like this move for Portland. Now let's get into the other trade that happened. Um, Christian Wood from the Houston Rockets was traded to the Dallas Mavericks for Bowie Bon Marvanovic, Marquise Chris, and Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, and the number 26 pick in this year's draft. Um, that's a big move for Dallas. They get a front court player with a little bit more versatility, similar to Jeremy Grant, um, in terms of putting the ball on the floor, able to create their own shot. Um, 
he was in, in Detroit as well a couple of years ago, got the contract from the Rockets, and was able to, to be good for them. And, and it's just the trajectory of the Rockets franchise now. They're looking to get younger and more core pieces, especially with the number three pick. Moving Christian Wood to Dallas opens up the uh, uh, the possibility of drafting uh, 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 Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, or Paola uh, Bonchero. Uh, so... I mean, that was just a necessary move there because they're looking to get younger and build assets. They have Sengun down there, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Jalen Green down there. So they're looking at a different trajectory than Christian Wood's probably on. But Dallas gets a, a really good player. Yeah, I think Christian Wood's a very good player. He's able to shoot well from the field. He was able to shoot 50%, what, the last three seasons? That's that's awesome for a young player in this league, and that's what you want to see. He's improved his shooting, able to hit standstills and shoot off the dribble. Um, a solid rebounder, improved his rebounding there down in Houston, and is able to get you 20 points a game. Similar to Jeremy Grant, just a little better of a rebounder, maybe a better shooter. But this opens up the floor for Luka now, where he had Max Kleba on the line there uh, uh, shooting threes. But other than that, Max Kleba wasn't going to drive to the basket, uh, uh, wasn't going to get to the hole there. Uh, David Bertans, is, he doesn't live that lifestyle. Christian Wood's going to be able to have a little bit more bounce, ability to play above the rim, ability to bang inside, uh, uh, finish at the hoop, uh, create off the dribble, shoot the three. I think this is very good for him and Luka, especially for Christian Wood as a young player. He's 26 years old. Pairing him with Luka, getting that type of player on a nice, decent contract for, for Dallas, which they have been missing out on for the last couple seasons, a guy that can have a nice contract and actually hopefully be productive. Um but yeah, just thinking about the way Luca plays in pick and roll situations, uh, a little bit more active uh, is Christian Wood, and I think that's a definitely uh, definitely a difference between um, him and Porzingis. I'm not I don't know if he's better than Porzingis, but I think what he brings to the table for the Dallas Mavericks is a little bit more versatility down there for uh, uh, on the front line for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to pay dividends, especially for if they're going to lose Jalen Brunson. Um, to free agency, uh, getting a guy that can come in there and create some offense and, and potentially be able to pr- provide some rim protection there. Uh, I think that's good for, this is a match made in heaven. It's a nice, friendly deal for the, uh, Dallas. They didn't give up too much. And for them to to acquire a guy like Christian Wood who has something to prove and looking to build and get another big contract, I think that's vital uh, uh, for for Dallas. Um, to get some quality there, they they've had Tim Hardaway Jr. hurt. Jalen Brunson might be gone. Uh, they have a lot of standstill shooters. This brings some versatility to their their lineup, especially playing with Luca and pick and roll, pick and pop situations. I think that's going to be awesome to see. Um, it gives them a little bit more versatility if they have to go small, um, and especially uh, 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 Jason Kidd has gotten this team to play defense and getting Christian Wood in that defensive mindset. Uh, uh, being an attacker of the rim, being able to knock down shots, being a little bit more incorporated into offense and, and more incorporated into a team where the Detroit and Houston weren't as committed to him as in the past. So I, I really think this is great for Christian Wood and Dallas Mavericks. Um, they, they got a really good player without having to go into the free agency market and, and spend a hoopla of money. They just have to give up some end of the rotation players there. And, uh, and, and, and unfortunately, their draft pick, of course, you wanted them to keep their draft pick, but this was, the, I think, this is the first time in a while that they traded a first-round draft pick for a player. So this is going to pay dividends for Dallas going forward, I believe. Right, let's get into some other quick hits. Um, potentially, John Collins has been on the uh, trading block for a while for the Atlanta Hawks, and they're looking to uh, come to a, an agreement here um, of moving him. Uh, rumors have been Harrison Barnes. Rumors have been Devontae Murray in San Antonio. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he moves um, going forward because I believe he's a 20-10 and 10 guy that can help a team, um, especially on the front line, play small ball four if needed. And, and, and he's looking for an opportunity, a bigger role um, that can be found in uh, whatever city that is. Um, I think he's a really good player, and, and, and Sacramento is potentially trying to move the, the fourth pick and Harrison Barnes, I believe I heard uh, Mark Stein say, uh, uh, for uh, – for John Collins, that that's that's crazy to me um, to move all those assets, especially being Sacramento. But they're looking for uh, a talent uh, improvement there in Sacramento. They're also looking at Julius Randle. I've heard um, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, 
these teams move during the draft. Woj said there was going to be a lot of trades here. Um, Indiana's looking to move Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Miles Turner. They've been talking about this for the past four seasons. It looks like what, and that's what frustrates me about Indiana. They always get a good team. They realize they hit a rough patch or whatever the case may be, and they instantly look to cut cost. Rather than continuing to try to improve the team and push, they just satisfied with making the playoffs and then trading all their good players. Uh, and that's what it looks like small market teams do. But it's like, at some point you want to get better. At some point you want to have a good team for at least sustainability for a long time. And it's like every single time they look like they put something together, they just tear it down and 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 try to start over. They fired Nate McMillan. I, I know he had first four round exits. I understood the the firing of them just not getting to the second round. But it's like you lost the better teams. Um, Victor Oladipo goes down for them. Um, that was a setback. Uh, uh, they got did they have yeah they had Karis Levert. They traded for Karis Levert and then instantly traded him to Cleveland. Uh, they had some bonus and traded him to Sacramento for Tyrus Halliburton. I think that's a good move without having to go into the draft or free agency. I thought that was one of the good moves they did do. Now they're trying to move Malcolm Brogdon, who doesn't fit their timeline, and Miles Turner, who doesn't fit their timeline. I understand the moves that they're going to make, but I would rather trade one of those guys than both. But um, they're looking to give the keys to Tyrus Halliburton. There's going to be a, a rebuild there. Um, yeah, it's just it's frustrating to see these small market teams always take these steps back. Hopefully, this is a good step back to take a great step forward. Um, but it looks like they're just tearing down their team again and starting over, trying to get assets. And it's like you're going to get these assets, but are you going to pay them? Are you going to continue to build the team around them in Indiana? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens out there. Um, now, there's also been rumors of Minnesota trying to pair a center next to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, then they're looking at Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, it looked like they were talking about, and I'm just like, I don't see how that works with Rudy Gobert. Maybe Clint Capella is a better avenue for that, but who are you giving up? A Malik Beasley in that deal? Uh, uh, Patrick Beverly potentially, to make those contracts work? Um, I don't see them giving up D'Angelo Russell. Um, at this point for that, I don't see that because Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are cool. Unless you're tearing it all down and building around Anthony Edwards, okay, cool. But I just don't see how they're going to make that work. Um, uh, the, uh, P.J. Tucker has opted out of his deal in Miami, looking to become a free agent. There's been rumors of him going to Philadelphia for three years, $30 million. Well, I think that helps in terms of defensively and effort-wise for uh, uh, Philadelphia. I just don't see that as a long-term move for them, um, especially uh, uh, getting some... A, a corner shooter for them. I, th I think they don't need to rebuild the Rockets here. I think they need to find somebody who can help defensively for them, especially uh, uh, that can provide some offense, a wing or something like that. They have Tobias Harris. I believe they're dangling, trying to trade him um, in terms of Philadelphia. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I don't see how adding P.J. Tucker helps them overall. I think that's just redundancy. They need to find somebody that can help at that uh, four spot who can defend and score at a good rate uh, to free up the court for James Harden. Um, yeah, and just stay healthy. They just need health right now and stability there. Um, I don't see P.J. Tucker going there. Maybe that helps them, but uh, I think there's other avenues P.J. Tucker can uh, explore. Maybe a Warriors, maybe a minimum deal with the Warriors. You're in San Francisco. You're on the West Coast. Um yeah, I just don't see him going to Philadelphia, even though that's a good fit. He knows Daryl Morey. He knows James Harden. Um, that would be interesting, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Is anything going to happen with Donovan Mitchell tonight? Um, you know, he, he's been there's been rumblings of him wanting to get to New York. There's been rumblings of him going to Miami. Um, Danny Ainge is president of operations there. He's going to want to make a move. He's not going to want to stay stagnant. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. If that There's been rumors of a Tyler Hero swap, and I'm just like, I don't think that's that that's going to fit the bill for uh, the Utah Jazz. But uh, Danny Ainge did like Tyler Hero in his that draft there um, and paying Tyler Hero uh, and kind of have him coming into Utah to uh, uh, be this new face of the franchise. I don't know if they're going to make that drastic move there. Um, and if he's traded to the, if Donovan Mitchell wants to go to the Knicks, do you help facilitate that? I don't know. I don't see anybody on the Knicks worth. Maybe a RJ Barrett's worth that. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Jericho Sims on the back end, uh, Isaiah Quickly. Um, there's those guys like that where Utah can add those guys and stay afloat with Rudy Gobert. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see what direction, if anything happens, maybe nothing happens here. Um, uh, moving forward, we got the Chicago Bulls with a uh, Zach Levine contract situation. Um, people are saying that's leaning that Chicago is going to give him that deal when they were questioning it. Um, it looks like they are going to look, be looking forward to giving to him a max deal. Um, there's been rumors that people are saying that he's going to be traded to the Lakers. There's possibly signs and trades at impossible different locations there. Um, but it looks point all signs pointing to him to re-signing in Chicago. I don't think, why would you want to leave Chicago? I don't, I don't see why that, I don't see anything else out there that you're going to into a better situation than you have right now with Chicago. Unfortunately, you had some guys injured, run it back, um, under a new contract, run it back with DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy. You have Nikola Vucevic, um, down there. Um, so yeah, I just don't see them. Um, I don't see Zach Levine leaving Chicago and going somewhere else where he can get the money in Chicago, especially if they're going to offer him that deal. Um, you take that deal. <laughs> and now there's been recent photos of Zion Williamson in shape. He's looking good. Hopefully he's able to, to stay healthy and be ready to go. Um, hopefully there's a new commitment there for him. Because that's really all the Pelicans are really missing to, I believe, take the next step. Maybe not the finals, but second round. Maybe sneak into a Western Conference. They're... Western Conference Finals. They're just missing Zion Williamson. They got Brandon Ingram. Uh, Herb Jones has stepped up. They have Jackson Hayes. Uh, they have uh, uh, Jose Alvarado, who they got on a nice low deal. They added C.J. McCollum. They have that veteran that can uh, score buckets and control the pace and be another ball handle for them. They're just missing Zion Williamson. So, Zion, please get healthy and please be able to stay on the floor so you can get this max money entertained and, and, and be a great basketball player. This guy averages, like, what, like 27-9? and nine? Um over the course of his games that he's played, it's like, come on, man, we want to see you play. So hopefully he's able to come back and be healthy. But it was great seeing him look like he's in shape and look like he's in the gym and looking towards being back to Zion that we've seen before, especially when healthy. So let's talk about a little bit about the NBA draft. I'm not going to try to act like I'm some type of draft expert here. I, I do know some of the guys in the draft there. Uh, I try to follow the NBA draft ringer guide and breakdowns and stuff like that to just get a better understanding of these players here. Um, but in terms of what I think these teams should do, Orlando, you have a bunch of guards, Cole Anthony, uh, Markel Fultz, uh, Jalen Suggs, who I think is going to be a good player in the league. You just drafted last year. Uh, you have a bunch of centers there with uh, uh, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., who you got in the Vucevic trade from Chicago. Um, you have Jonathan Isaac, who was out, was a really good defender, really good young kid and who you gave a big contract to, but what I think they need to do is continue to add there and don't go for a Chet Hungerman who's going to have to play center. Uh, I think what they should do is go after Jabari Smith Jr. Who's a, a guy that plays that in between game who can play the wing game, uh, and, and score. Um, I think that's what they're missing right now. They're missing a big time score that can get them buckets. Um, this guy, 6'10", 210. 210 pounds, go get that guy. That, that This guy's a really good scorer at Auburn. Um, there's been question marks about his scoring inside, but it's like, you guys, this is a modern game where it's perimeter-based. You guys need a big-time scorer. This guy can provide that. Um, he's also good on the other side of the ball, providing defense. Um, and I think that's very, very important. Um, and I think that's very important. This guy can shoot the ball really, really, really well. Um, shot 43% from him in college. Um his ability to score the ball and be able to shoot off the dribble, especially with Jalen Suggs and, and, and Cole Anthony and whatever guards you're going to have there, uh, having him as an option as a spot-up shooter or a person that works in that pick-and-roll there, I think is very good. He's going to be he's going to have energy on the defensive end, and especially when you have Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac as shot blockers, he can cause havoc in the middle there. That's what I'm thinking for them. They need a wing that can play that in-between role. Uh, that can help them going forward there. I think that would be the smart move for Orlando. Get this guy, get him in there, and let him work. Um, this guy doesn't have the best handle, but he's able to score. And in the NBA, you need scoring. You have your defense. You have your guards here, especially. You need a guy that can go get buckets, and I think this is a very good move if they do that. Um, he brings energy defensively on both sides of the ball, and especially when you have all this length. Your front court is going to be Jabari Smith, Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba potentially 
who's scoring on that? Who's going to try to shoot over that? That's got a good foundation there, and especially when you have that flexibility of scoring, especially Mo Bamba was able to turn it up a little bit at the end of the season, uh, have some good games down there. Uh, if you can continue to build that and space the floor and give this kid room to work, mm-hmm. give your guards room to work, give the pick and roll room to work, that's a blueprint or something success. And rather than being in the lottery every year, like Orlando has been for since the Dwight Howard era, you have to get some type of consistency. I'm tired of these teams being crap for so long. It's time to get better, especially Orlando when they have their success in the draft. Hopefully this is another good pick for them. I think they should go Jabari Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Oklahoma city. Um, and what I think they should do. Um, they have SGA there. Sean Gilders, Alexander, they have Josh Giddy, they have Darius Baisley, they have Trey Mann, they have Kendrick Williams, they have Lou Dort. What should they do? Get Chet Hunger. Um, I know there's been question marks about his uh, his weight and his frame, um, but forget all that. This is a guy who can really shoot the ball really well, um, coming out of Gonzaga. And when you need to be able to space the floor, this guy shot 41% as a big man. So I don't see why you don't go after that, especially in this modern art NBA where you have guards and guys that can handle the ball and need to get in there. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that's what they need uh, in terms of a big man that can shot block and play on ball defense. And he provides that his length is crazy. Um, I think that's a good missing piece for the Oklahoma city who are continuing to build through the draft and, 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 and try to add people. Uh, yeah, Chet shows uh, an ability to, to to block shots and get the rim, the ball off the rim and push it in transition, actually have handle. And as a big man that can run the floor, that's going to be good for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he's a smart player. Um, I know people are going to question him going to Gonzaga and stuff like that and coming out that conference and like that. Um, but he's big time. I think he's going to be. It's going to take a couple years to build his body there. Um, but, and everyone's worried about that, but it's like the NBA. Everyone was worried about Kevin Durant. Everybody was worried about Giannis. This guy's going to be fine. The, the NBA is going to take care of him. Oklahoma City is going to make sure he's going to get in the right shape and be ready in a couple years to take over the league. Um, and especially in this modern game where guys shoot the ball, he's going to be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, I think he's going to be really good for Oklahoma City going forward. Um, in this modern game where you need people to space the floor, and that's the the, the actions that are people are running in pick-and-rolls and pick-and-pop pick situations. I think eventually he's going to be good in the pick-and-roll situations with his length. He's going to be able to stop in the mid-range. He's going to be able to spread it out to the three-point line. And I think that's very good for Oklahoma um, Thunder there um, to look at Chet Holmgren and pull him in. And, and I think it's a good prospect. I like this kid a lot. Um, he played next to uh, Timmy, uh, YMCA Dirk, they called him. Um, <laughs> they called, uh, uh, I forgot his, guy, his guy's name, Timmy. He has the mustache and all that. He went back to school. But, um... He's going to be able to be fine in Oklahoma City. They have a, a very good track record of turning out talent. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, <laughs> Serge Ibaka. May I go on? Like, these guys are very good NBA players, and I think Chet Hunger is going to find a, a good space down there in Oklahoma City and be able to provide and produce for them and be very good for them. Moving on to Houston, uh, Apollo Bonchero out of Duke. I think they should take... Um, him and Jalen Green seem like a match made in young prospect heaven <laughs> in terms of in the game. Um, this guy's a really good inside the game uh, uh, court score. Uh, he can handle and play make and has a great feel for the game. Um, I like Bonchero a lot. He's able to play with effort um, and, and just be tough. And I, and I think that's going to be good for Houston, who moved just recently moved Christian Wood. Um, so there's more space down there to open up there down there. But yeah, I believe Bonchero is going to be able to get in there and help from day one. Um, they moved Christian Wood out the way, of course. Um, they have Sangoon uh, down there. Um, Jalen Green, of course, the young kids. He's just going to be able to fit in this young kid and actually build an identity with Houston, I believe. Um, and just really just grab the, the bull by the horns down there in Houston. Um, the, I'm pretty sure they're going to give him and Jalen Green the keys and really try to build build around them. Hopefully, Stephen Silas can get these guys to buy in early and, and 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 start the foundation to build something in Houston. Where after the James Harden trade, it looked like everything was dire and and dead. But this was what they do: you trade a superstar, you're hoping to get some some picks, keep your own picks, and be able to build and have some type of uh, future and have some type of prospects to build off of and go forward. Um, 
And I think that's what Bonchero can provide to them, a guy that can start from day one, who's going to provide effort from day one. Um, just keep his motor up and just keep him going. And now I'm not looking for him to bang against NBA bigs day one, but that's going to be something that's um, going to be a, a challenge for him at times. Um, and keeping him motivated on the defensive end, especially if you're going to play small ball five in this league. Um, he's 6'10", 250, so it's like, is he going to be able to hold up on that defensive end? Is he going to be able to keep that motor on that end? Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he is, but I think that should help him do uh, help in Houston. I'm pretty sure Akeem's going to poke his head in to help him down there, uh, give him insight on defense, and, and, and especially on footwork down in, in, in the paint. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Um, I like these three tra- draft prospects early in the draft here. Um, and from that, you got guys like, um, you got guys like Shaden Sharp who didn't go to, uh, Kentucky who stayed in high school. You got guys like Jaden Ivey and, and, and Dason Daniels and all these young guys coming up in there. And it's going to be interesting. Um, you got Jaden Hardy who was in the, uh, G League Ignite, uh, who has a lot of buzz out there. Um, so this NBA draft is going to be good. It's happening on Thursday. Um, I believe at eight or nine o'clock there. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm always looking at the draft. I'm always looking at breakdowns, always looking at various things. So, um, it's going to be fun to see how the draft plays out. Um, and see how that plays out. Um, the, see what trades are, are going to happen. Uh, Woj said there was going to possibly be a lot of trades tonight. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Um, so let's see how the draft goes. And that will do it for episode 12 of the Basketball Soapbox. Um, the draft happens tonight. Um, moving forward, looking at uh, free agency, what happens on July 1st into July 4th weekend. That's going to be awesome. Hopefully some news comes out over that. I can examine that. Um, see the draft day trades and see what teams are positioning, opening up cast space to potentially sign someone, even though there's not many teams that much sign uh much cap space, but there are teams that can trade and, and, and position themselves better uh, with the draft leading into the free agency. Um, also, summer league starts the 7th through 17th of July, and we head into next season. Um, there's going to be some a little bit more room here, a little bit more uh, uh, opinionated takes here over the summer. Uh, that gives us time, when the, not the hustle and bustle of the NBA season. Um, so I'll pick it up over the uh, probably after the draft, probably this weekend, heading into free agency for next week. Uh, Until then, have a good one.